Morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Good. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, really well. Good to have a good morning together today. So thanks for being here to be a part of this. Uh, my name is Brad, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really grateful that you're here today. Uh, we are now in the middle of a series that we're calling What If We're Different? And of course, we're all different from one another, but you know, so- sometimes our differences are bigger, sometimes they're smaller, things like that. But we're here on this journey to go, what do we do if we're different? I want to tell you where we're heading and why we're heading there. Uh, Jesus was really clear about the idea that he wanted us to love our neighbors. And, uh, you know, you might say, say, well, that wasn't Jesus that said that first. It was the Old Testament law that said it first, right? It was the law of Moses that said first, kind of tucked away in a little passage deep into the book of Leviticus. Uh, God says through Moses, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we go, yeah, 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 we're in. The problem is, we typically, as God's people, we have typically defined who our neighbor is very tightly, very narrowly, when in fact, Jesus wants us to define it very broadly. So uh, Jesus tells this story in Luke chapter 10. If you, if you want to read this, we're not going to spend a lot of time looking at this, but I want to read this story for you. It's Luke chapter 10. Uh, we've got it pulled up for you in the YouVersion Bible app. If you want to follow along there, that's cool. But listen to Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. Here's Jesus' thoughts on the subject. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But... He wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, Well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down on the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw the man, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these... Three, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, 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 but who's my neighbor? Jesus said, the question is not who is your neighbor. The question is to whom can you be a neighbor? See, the, the, the whole story of the Good Samaritan has kind of gotten whitewashed in our culture. We, 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 everybody in our culture knows the term, the phrase, Good Samaritan. But it typically only means for us that someone was acting in a decent way. If you're a Good Samaritan, you're helping somebody. You're just a decent human being. But Jesus raised the bar way higher than that. 
Because the Samaritan was the one who was different from the, the rest of the Jews. The Samaritan was the one who was hated by the rest of the Jews. They were outcasts, they were outsiders, but they lived in their country. And Jesus raised the bar when he said, do what that one did. Do what the Samaritan did. Be the neighbor like that. On September 9th, 2001, Lakeside Church held our first gathering on this property, but we didn't have a building permit ready. We didn't have an occupancy permit ready for, the, for this building. And so we put up a big tent down in the corner down here, and we had our very first gathering on this property in a tent. September 9th, 2001. Two days later, September 11th, 2001. We didn't have a facility yet. We're still meeting in a tent. September 11th, 19 men hijacked four planes out of three different airports and, as you remember, flew them into buildings. And they did it in the name of Allah or the name of Islam. In April of 2013, two brick buildings right next to our property, adjacent to our property, were purchased by the Muslim community of Folsom. And all of a sudden, Muslims and Christians were neighbors, like next-door neighbors. And when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, he's talking about people that are different from us, but he's also clearly talking about people that live next door to us. And so today we have a a very special guest with us, friend of mine. Uh, We've been friends for a few years now. His name is Amir Nazir. He's the imam or the religious leader at the Muslim uh, community of Folsom next door to us. So why don't you welcome uh, uh, Amir Nazir, please. Amir, thanks for being here. Thank you. Have a comfortable seat. Well, not that comfortable. Yeah, don't, get, don't get comfortable. <laughs> All right. Hey, let me, for, before we begin to talk with Amir, Amir, let me give you some ground rules for what we're up to today, just so you know what we're trying to do. We're talking about loving our neighbors, and we've invited Amir here to say, let's, let's learn to love our neighbors who are different from us. And so let me give you some ground rules. Number one, uh, this is not going to be a debate. <laughs> Debates are not bad, debates are not wrong, debates can be really, really helpful for clarifying information, clarifying uh, truth claims, things like that, but this is not going to be a debate, this is a conversation, and so those are different, and so uh, in the process of our conversation, our beliefs don't match all the way along. We have differences in our beliefs, difference in our opinions about scriptures and who God is and what God, how God reveals himself and things like that. So there'll be things in the course of our conversation where I might go, oh, I don't really agree with that, but you're not going to hear me say that today because it's not about you hearing from me about this. It's about hearing from our friends so we learn to know him so we can love him. See, I don't believe you can actually love your neighbor unless you know your neighbor. You can be kind to your neighbor without knowing them. You can serve somebody without knowing them, but to love them, you have to know them. So our goal today is to be able to get to know this man and through him to get to know his community. Second thing I want you to keep in mind is we all have two tools, at least two tools in our, in our mental toolbox that we use. And one of the tools we use a lot, one of the tools we don't use very much at all. And I want to swap our usage of those today. All right, the first tool that we have in our toolbox is what I call a yabiter. Y'all have one. Y'all, you, know, you all know how that works, your yabiter? Yeah, it's when you hear something, you go, yeah, but that's your yabiter going off. All right, I want you to take your yabiter... And if I can gently ask you this, take your yabiter and turn that down. 
today. Okay? And then I want you to raise up your humor. You got, you got, everyone's got a humor in their toolbox. You know what a humor is? That's when you hear something, you go, hmm. And see, when you go, hmm, you tend to think about it a little bit longer than when your yabbiter's going off at you. So turn the yabbiter down, turn your humor up, and then let's have a conversation. Deal? All right. Good luck with that. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's talk to our friend here. Uh, Amir, let's, uh, let's get to know you first uh, sure. as a human being, as a person first. So tell us about your background. Where'd you grow up? But tell us about your family. Uh, first of all, I just want to thank everybody uh, for giving me this chance, uh, thanking Brad and the whole church and all of you folks uh, for giving me this chance to come and uh, share something about myself and the community. Um, we pray that uh, it becomes a, an opportunity of uh, blessings and coming together of uh, peace and love and respect for each other. Um, I was born and raised in uh, South Africa, and um, my family migrated to the United States about 25 years ago. Uh, to the Bay Area, San Jose, and uh, I moved to Folsom in about 2003, so I've been here for about 16 to 17 years. Okay. And you, so you came with your family from South Africa. You came here by yourself yes. to Folsom. Yes. Okay. Tell us about your family now. Uh, I'm married for about 10 years and I have a five-year-old son, beautiful son. All right. Tell us about your son. Yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's everything. <laughs> oh, he's five. He's, he's at that you know, five-year-old phase, which is uh, you know, tough to get hold of, but uh, really having fun with him and uh, growing with him. Yeah. Uh, what does he like to do? He's very energetic, very athletic, very sporty, uh, into different kinds of sports, so I'm trying to encourage him to, to play as much and uh, improving my own skills with him. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh, okay, so you're, I know you're a sports fan. Yes. Your favorite sports are I base, love baseball. <laughs> the, the original baseball, which is cricket. So. <laughs> mm. <laughs> See, that's yeah, my yeah, but. going off right there. <laughs> so, you cricket, know, okay, uh, cricket. What's cricket? It's a little uh, animal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Born and raised in South Africa, it's like a national sport over there. Um, so, picked it up at a young age in school, uh, played a good amount. And, you know, in, in Folsom and Sacramento, we have pretty professional leagues going on. Um, so, I'm trying to play in a few of them. You're so, playing in a few professional cricket leagues? Uh, okay, leagues, yeah. Okay, leagues. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Uh, and let's see, did you have a team in the World Cup soccer tournament? Yeah, um, you know, unfortunately, the United States did not qualify this time, so we don't have our own team. Uh, hopefully, uh, 2022, we'll have the, our team ready. But, uh, so I was just rooting for England. I was hoping they would do well, so I like this style of play. Unfortunately, went out in the semifinal. Yeah, yeah. I like anybody's <clears> style <throat> of play if they're still in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> okay, never mind, I thought that was funny. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so tell us about your, your journey uh, as a follower of Islam and all that goes with that. How did you decide to be an... Well, tell us first. Well, I've been introducing you as an imam, but that's not a familiar phrase to most of us. So tell us what an imam is, and then how did you decide to go down that path? Yes. Uh, the term imam refers to like a, a clergyman, a priest like yourself. So somebody who uh, you know, directs and teaches the community the scripture. Uh, so that's the official equivalent of a priest. Okay. So that's the terminology of imam. My journey of uh, becoming one was uh, 
pretty easy, you could say, from, from the aspect of my family. Uh, my, my, my dad was a very prominent uh, imam and religious figure and professor of Islamic law. Um, my uncle, too. So it was in the family, so you know, I kind of saw that as a, an easy career path, although I had many other options, uh, many other uh, freedom to choose my, my uh, path, but saw the calling and I answered to that. So it wasn't something... In some Christian traditions, there's sort of an expectation that the firstborn son will, yeah. uh, will go into the priesthood or something. It right. wasn't an expectation on you. It was a choice that you got to make. Right. Uh, the expectation was not to become the imam or the official uh, you know, leader in that capacity. The expectation was at least to become a, you know, a godly person. Uh, and the aspect of memorizing scripture was something expected of me. Um, so in our family, in our tradition... Uh, the boys specifically were expected to learn and memorize, uh, if not the whole Quran, at least close to the whole Quran. All right. Yeah. So you, so you, you've been at Lakeside very long. You know that I love scripture memorization, and I'm trying to always get you to memorize scripture. You know, and you think if you memorize a verse, like yeah, yeah, <laughs> right on. Yeah. You you memorize the whole Quran. Yes, yes? about six thousand two hundred thirty-six verses. About. Yeah. Roundabout. About, yeah, okay. <laughs> Roughly that many Roughly. verses. Yeah. Wow. And you started when you were in middle school. Yes, I did start right in the beginning of middle school and finished it at the end of middle school. What were you all doing in middle school? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's amazing. So Thank congratulations you. on doing that. And that steered your path toward, I think, I'm, I'm sure that that steered your path into this uh, career path that you've made. Yes, uh, right? strongly. Yes. Yeah. Define for us what Islam means. Maybe many of us don't know what that means. And Muslim, we don't know what that means. Yeah. And then uh, let's talk about your faith a little bit. So, so the word Islam uh, literally from the root comes from the root Arabic word, which uh, the root is salam. And you would notice Muslims greet each other with salam. I greet you also with salam, meaning peace, peace be unto you. So the root of Islam comes from the root of being peaceful, uh, contrary to what you know, the world would imagine or how people would practice their faith in general. Uh, so the root is peace, and the technical terminology refers to entire and total submission to the will and command of God. Uh, submitting oneself to the will and command of God before oneself. So this total submission is the summary of the word Islam. A person who is an adherent of it is called a Muslim. Okay. So tell us then, what are the... Like, what are the foundational beliefs, practices of someone in the, uh, in the Muslim faith? So uh, the belief system can be in, in two different uh, you know, components. You could say the inner belief and the outer aspect of one's belief. So the core fundamental inner beliefs of Islam are very similar to Christianity and other faiths. Um, so we could say the, the, the first inner belief is the, is the belief in the one true living God. Um, in Arabic, we say Allah, uh, but similarly, the word Allah uh, has been the original Aramic uh, Hebrew word for God, as we find in the scripture, and uh, still people in the Middle East, whether they're Christians or Jews, they still say Allah. You know, um, surprisingly so, in Lebanon and Syria, I was uh, meeting some uh, Christians over here, and they also say Allah for God. So just as a uh, point I just wanted to put that out. So Allah is not an alien concept of God for Muslims. It, we feel that it's the same God, which uh, God of Moses, God of Abraham, God of Jesus, peace be upon them all. 
So that's the first component of a Muslim's inner belief, believing in him. Uh, second is the principal prophethood of all of the prophets of God, starting from Adam and uh, the major prophets, Abrahamic. So if Islam is an Abrahamic faith, uh, followers of Abraham, and as I mentioned, uh, Moses, Jesus. So the whole system of prophethood, we believe in all of them, and we believe that it culminated and completed with the message of uh, the prophethood of Prophet Muhammad. So those are the two intrinsic uh, starting points of one's inner belief. Then we have the belief in the angels, we believe in their existence, in their responsibilities, and uh, which God has created them for our protection and surrounding us at all times. And we believe in all of the books which were given to the prophets of the past, from uh, the original scriptures, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Quran being part of those uh, revealed books. Uh, so these are the inner beliefs. What that propels a Muslim individual to practically do outwardly are five basic pillars of Islam, which we say. The first one is after the testification in God, to pray five times a day. So every day we pray five times, uh, before sunrise, midday, afternoon, at sunset, and later in the evening. So these five uh, daily prayers are required by every Muslim uh, once you reach the age of 14 and, and above. The, sec the third is the pillar of uh, being charitable. So every Muslim is required to give in charity 2.5% of your earnings and savings on a yearly basis in charitable causes. So 2.5% is mandatory on every able, uh, financially well-doing uh, individual. So being very charitable. And that is not just confined to Muslims or your Muslim community. This is to everybody in your society and your community, making sure everybody is taken care of. Uh, the fourth is the pillar of fasting. So we fast obligatory uh, in the month of Ramadan. Uh, that's about 29 to 30 days based on the lunar cycle of the, of the moon. Um, so 30-day fast in, in the month of Ramadan, and that's obligatory. And we also have optional fasts, like throughout the year, throughout the week, you could fast on a Monday, on a Thursday, or in the middle of the month. And the fifth is a pilgrimage, the pilgrimage to Mecca and uh, Jerusalem. Right. So these are the five major components. Out of, out of those or other things you might want to add into this, yes. uh, what's the most challenging part of that for you? I think the most challenging should be the consistency, you know, trying to be consistent on, you know, a large load of uh, things which are expected on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and on a yearly basis, and on a lifetime basis. So just being consistent and trying to do one's best is, is really challenging. But also that's where, you know, it's, that's where the whole taste is. Yeah. Okay. Of one's faith. What about the other side of that? What's your favorite part? There are certain aspects of my faith in Christ that I go, oh, I like this part. This part's harder, but this part, I gravitate toward this. Could you mention one or two? Could I mention one? Oh, <laughs> hey, I'm doing the comp. No. <laughs> hmm. So I'm going to take that and add on to it. My, I think my most, uh, my most favorite part of practicing my faith is the scripture memorization and meditation on it to, to reflect on uh, this is what I'm this is what I'm hearing from God through a scripture. So like on my drive from my house to the church uh, this morning, I'm going through the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus uh, delivered, and I'm just meditating on those scriptures which I memorized. Beautiful. So yeah, Beautiful. I love that. Exactly the same. <laughs> okay. So I think, you so know, when you were constant... driving to the church today, what were you meditating on? I was just, you know, reflecting on, you know, the verse which I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, the verse which talks of the rights of of everybody around us. You know, in, in chapter 4, verse 36, I was just thinking about the verse in which God 
uh, addresses humanity. And he says that, you know, serve God, be loving unto him and to his creation. And immediately after mentioning, you know, being good to God, so these are the principles of Islam, which we all share. And, and so after God, he mentioned immediately, be good to your parents. Be good to your parents and fulfill their rights. And immediately after that, you know, you, your uh, relatives, orphans, the poor, and then he specified your neighbors. Mm -hmm. And he mentioned two words for the neighbor. He said, your close neighbor and your distant neighbor. So the scholars of uh, Islamic law, you know, they debate and say, who's your close neighbor and who's the far neighbor? Because God is saying, be good to both. And so they've uh, unanimously agreed upon that your close neighbor is your immediate vicinity, you know, right next to you, on, on both sides and in front of you. So God is expecting us to be good uh, to our neighbors in our immediate circle and those who are in the larger uh, community and society. So both are encompassed within our, uh, you know, good duties to, to, to fulfill their rights. So I was thinking about that verse, and I feel, you know, uh, the scripture and, and all of our scriptures have, you know, if we really take our time to reflect, we have, you know, our daily dosages of, of finding prescriptions to help us in our life. Yeah, good. When I introduced you today, I did this, I, I gave you warnings so people are not maybe surprised at this, but I, I set up your coming up here uh, with the backdrop of what happened on 9-11. And then you guys moved in, and I go, oh, now all of a sudden, we are close neighbors. Yeah. Uh, give us your perspective on that, because, uh, you know, people in America, people in the church have a lot of different perspectives on what happened and what, you know, what's gone on in the world since then. What's your perspective on terrorism in the name of Islam? Yes, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate reality of our times. Um, you know, Islam is not a propensity to, to violence or violent people. Uh, as I mentioned, Islam in its root, in its essence, was revealed and came entirely to, to teach people peace, to, be how, to how to be peaceful with yourself and to those around you, and to encompass the ever-loving God's love, mercy, and compassion, and become that embodiment of love and compassion. That is the objective of Islam, like all of our religions in the world. The unfortunate reality is a group of people, and if you look at statistics-wise, there are 1.8 billion Muslims globally, 1.8 billion. That's about 24% of the world's total population. I'm just mentioning that not to scare you. <laughs> 20, 24% of the world's population. 3.3 uh, million people in the Muslims in the United States. That's about 1% of the population. Um, you know, we think Islam to be an Arabian religion. Uh, only 14 or 13 percent of Muslims are Arab. Uh, 70 percent are from the subcontinent. Um, Europe has about 45 million. North America, South America, and Caribbean, if you put together, it's about, I think, 10 to 15 million. So besides the Middle East, so if the Middle East and North Africa put together, it's only about 17 percent of Muslims of the world. 70% are non-Arab, which are, you know, as I mentioned, subcontinent or African origin. So from this 1.8 billion Muslims, you know, Islam is not a propensity to violence. The testification of that are all of those figures, except the 10,000 to 15,000, you know, from the FBI statistics, which I was reading, uh, that ISS and their like have become, and, and the last, you know, stronghold of theirs, wherever they are, you know, they don't speak for humanity. They don't speak for Islam. They don't speak for me. That's the real. Unfortunately, the media 
and the way that you know Islam has been portrayed as a whole, has you know based on the lens of those individuals. But the reality is, Muslims and scholars and the world Muslim body of theologians and scholars have unanimously uh, issued verdicts and spoke up that these people have nothing to do with Islam, and they have a political agenda and they are backed up with you know some forces whom whomsoever they are, and they have misused you know, uh, scripture. And, and you know, you could, con- you could quote any verse from any scripture to fulfill your, you know, uh, uh, misguided ideologies, right? So that's what they have done. And, uh, you know, for me to be sitting over here amongst you, our brothers and sisters over here, I myself, I'm an infidel right now. I'm a disbeliever. I'm a hypocrite. All of those words which are labeled by these extremists to Muslims who... Who, who teach people about the true image of Islam. In the eyes of those extremists, I'm also a rebel. I'm also, uh, you know, uh, the doomed one. Similarly, all of those areas where these extremists have started working, the first people and the only people who they have massacred and killed are Muslims. You could go up and read up the statistics. Wherever these people have worked, the first people and the, the, the large bulk of people massacred by these individuals were folks like me. So good, you know, uh, peace-loving Muslims have been their target. Why? Because they spoke up against them. So the unfortunate reality is, you know, uh, Muslims in the United States are patriotic in every sense of the word. Um, we need to do more of this to reach out. We're trying to do our best. But, you know... Those people, those extremists, and similarly those who hijacked the planes and, and you know, done those horrific uh, you know, life-turning events for all of us, they have nothing to do with Islam, yeah. nothing to do with Muslims. Thanks for that. I just just <clears throat> acknowledging what you're saying about how you're trying to reach out into our community. Uh, you all remember last winter we hosted uh, with the HEART program, the Homeless Assistance Re- Relief Program, uh, we hosted a couple of, week, couple of weeks of winter shelter. And winter has Christmas right in the middle of it. And all the churches are pretty busy at Christmas. So who took the week for Christmas week? You guys did. No, we, we did. Right? Yeah. yeah so, did. yeah, it was awesome. Maybe this is related to that, but uh, what do you think is the most misunderstood aspect of Islam among maybe among Americans in general, or maybe among Christian Americans more particularly? I think, uh, as I mentioned, uh, the aspect of Muslims not being peaceful, not being, you know, good folks, um, because of those events, because of those individuals who are shown in the media to be the representatives of Islam. So definitely it adds to, you know, mistrust and uh, ambiguity about, you know, who we are. So definitely those are, uh, these are challenging times. Uh, specifically in the last few years, it has increased. But uh, overall, people are you know, loving and, and uh, respectful. Let's take a little bit of a, a chance to kind of raise the curtain on what uh, your practices look like. Because yeah. I, I think there's a certain amount of fear. I, I, I felt it. Um, yeah. I didn't feel it for me, but I felt it for you when you moved into that building and the yeah. sign went up. Yeah. Muslim, Muslim community of Folsom. And I know I felt it among our community, our, na- our neighborhood or whatever. It's like, oh, the Muslims have moved yeah. in among us. There's a certain amount of fear that goes with that. Uh, have you, have you um, I'm going to go two different directions with this. 
do you feel persecution? Do you feel uh, challenged in, like, in, in physical ways, in dangerous ways, or in psychological ways by being a, like a religious minority in this community? You know, persecution from the literal sense of it being persecuted, that, uh, you know, by God's grace, there's no persecution. Um, but marginalization based on the current events. Uh, our members do face, you know, scrutiny. Uh, they do face, uh, you know, some, some harmful looks when they go out. And our, uh, you know, our women folk uh, cover their head, a lot of them, not all of them. So when they do, so that becomes an easy walking target, you know, in the malls, shopping centers and stuff. So people have, you know, at times spewed stuff towards them. So the general feeling, uh, the atmosphere has kind of changed in the last few years, that's for sure, last two to three years. Um, so no persecution, but definitely, you know, our children uh, in schools, also few of them have experienced, uh, you know, certain comments being thrown at them because of, you know, uh, maybe they the style of, uh, you know, dressing, but everybody dresses, you know, the same. But they have been marginalized at times. Uh, some words are being bullied and stuff. So these have been concerning to us, and especially when we have to have the law enforcement, you know, come by and park the car in our, you know, parking lot during services time. Uh, it's, to me, it feels unnecessary you know, because that's your place of worship. You don't need law enforcement to be coming there for our protection. That's nice. And, you know, in all uh, credit to them. But due to the atmosphere, we had to actually lean on to that. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was kind of, you know, our children, when they go to the, to the mosque, you know, they ask us, like, w why is the police over here, you know? So I said, no, they're here just to make sure everybody's okay. Mm -hmm. So these are a few things which definitely, uh, due to the climate, have been needed. By and large, Folsom is a great community, great folks. Yeah. yeah. Tell us what goes on in your facility. So we don't, know, we don't know what a weekly process looks like. If you ever drive up South Lexington on Friday afternoon at 1 o'clock between 1 and 2, which is your primary gathering time for, for the it's whole time. It's, <laughs> time, it's crowded out there, yeah. right? So, but what goes on during the week in your facility? Uh, so the, on a daily basis, we have the five times daily prayer, which we do with congregation. So different folks drop in uh, the five times. On a weekly basis, our main uh, sermon of the week is the Friday prayer. So that's, as you said, uh, from 1, to two, 1, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. every Friday. That's the obligatory Friday weekly uh, sermon and prayer. So that's where you get the largest crowd. Uh, other than that, we have youth events, youth nights, um, couples and parenting workshops, just like you folks. Uh, we have our Sunday school, which has about 200 to 300 students. We have a full-time private school also on the site. Um, tell us, so we're talking about, we're talking about loving people who are different from us or people may, maybe even who are strangers to us because what, what we're talking about sometimes, like it's just strange to us because we're not used to it, yes. maybe. Tell us what do you think are the things that we have in common? I think, you know, especially when I came here and, and seeing the people and the devotion to God and devotion to humanity and our community, I think these are similar uh, you know, commonalities which we share. Because a good Muslim is supposed to be in peace with oneself and one's surroundings. And being good to God, being good to oneself, being good to those around us. So I see that as a common thing uh, between the communities. Similarly, our passion for service, you know, um, 
these few principles, I feel we could build on that for sure. How about differences? I haven't asked you this, I don't think yet, but differences that you see between us? Differences, uh, I should not be saying that, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to put you on the spot. You can say, I I asked this question. I think we have a traditional setup of prayer where, uh, you know, uh, the woman folk like to be by themselves. So those that, you know, they want to pray by themselves, part of the sermon. So we give them this space in the main hall. So that's one thing we find also in synagogues, the similar setup. Uh, So the men and the women, but we all listen to the same sermon. We pray in the same way. Um, A lot of the, a lot of the prayer is following the, the sermon. So whether you do your rituals uh, or your recitation is inner. So you follow the one lead and, and you do that, uh, which I saw the beauty over here of, of being you know, vocal and singing together. That also adds another uh, beauty to, to prayer. So that's another difference, I feel. Mm-hmm. Very slight difference, but uh, something over there. And uh, you know, based on commonality and difference, I wanted to add to the fact, sure. uh, theologically might be a big difference, but you know, the concept of uh, Jesus, uh, peace be upon him. First of all, every Muslim, when we say the name of Jesus, we have to say peace be upon him. Uh, Moses, peace be upon him, as a sign of uh, love and respect. So uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, for Muslims, something which is not talked about much, but there is a whole chapter in the Quran which talks about his miraculous birth. There is a chapter in the Quran named after his mother, Mary, peace be upon her, and the whole Quran has more than 100 verses which talk about his mission and how he uh, called the people to the worship of, of God and how he submitted his life. And so Jesus, peace be upon him, in the future of the world, Muslims believe that he was the Messiah in his time and he is the chosen Messiah and he will return with the kingdom. And we believe in that. In the process of that, in saying he's the Messiah, do you believe that he's the Son of God, or is that something so different? So that's, that's where this slight difference okay. is. The, we believe he's the, he's the chosen man of God, okay. born through a miraculous, uh, uh, miraculous birth, conceived through the, the Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit. All right. We have about one more minute to go. Is there any question that I haven't asked you that you wish I would have asked you? That was one I just wanted to touch upon, yeah. uh, okay. Prophet Jesus, and... All right, good. Thanks so much for being with us thank, today. Thank you so yeah, much for, for you. having me. Yeah. At the end of our time together, uh, Amir's going to be in the lobby, so if you want to hang out and chat a little bit, um, be nice to him. <laughs> We're still practicing, right? Yeah, hmm, right? So, but he'll be out just to be able to shake hands and meet people. Let me just give you a little bit of some next steps that we're thinking about in regard to this and, and how do we uh, continue in an ongoing way to love our neighbors. Uh, in the fall sometime, we don't have this time nailed down yet, but we've got someone from the Muslim community and someone from Lakeside who are working together to put uh, a meal together where some of us from the church and some of us from the mosque can be together and share a meal together and just have some hangout conversation time. So that's coming up in the fall. If you're interested in that, uh, let me know or let Alicia Wilson know, and she's the one who's going to coordinate it from our side, from our perspective. So uh, if you want to be involved in that, let us know, and we'll, we'll get you plugged in. Uh, secondly, uh, we thought it might be just good to take an opportunity to honor 
amir and honor the Muslim community of Folsom by saying, let's contribute to something they contribute to. So I asked Amir about the charitable things that they contribute to, and so much of it's just in Folsom. It's stuff we already contribute to. Uh, but you remember last month, for the whole month of June, we were bringing food in. We are filling up that little Toyota pickup out there over and over and over time to say, let's get as much food as we can for the Twin Lakes Food Bank. Well, the Muslim community of Folsom supports another food bank in Sacramento called the Ar Razak Food Bank. And we thought, if someone would like to, if any of you would like to, we're just going to make it available during our offering time this morning. If you want to give an additional offering beyond your normal what you give to Lakeside, and you want to give it to the uh, Ar Razak Food Bank, you can just make, make a check out to Lakeside, tell us it's to the food bank, we'll know that it's going to go to that food bank, and all of those offerings that come for that will go to that. We're not going to use any of Lakeside's general fund for that, so if you go, I don't, I don't really want my money to go to that, that's your choice, it'll just go in our general fund, but if you let us know that it's for the food bank, you don't even have to say our Razak on it, if you just say food bank, we'll know it's going to that, and we're going to, we'll take all those funds that come in today, and we'll give that to the food bank, just to honor Amir for being among us today. Thank so, you. Thank we're you. happy to do that. Uh, last thing I want you to know, we talked about this last week, and I think it'll be the theme uh, as we go along in this journey. First uh, John chapter 4, verse 10 says, In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a sacrifice for our sins. And the whole picture of that is God initiated. Because he loved us, he initiated things for us. He initiated activity for us. So love takes the initiative. So in your journey, as you're trying to figure out what it looks like to love your neighbor, to love your close neighbor or your distant neighbor, whatever, however to say that, in your journey with that, look for ways to take the initiative. That's what love does. All right, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thanks so much for your goodness to us. Uh, thanks for my friend, uh, Amir. I'm so grateful that he spent the weekend being among us, and I pray your blessing on him. I pray that the peace that he pursues and that his community pursues would be fulfilled, Lord, that we would be a community of peace, that we would be a neighborhood of peace, uh, and that we would be able to honor you in these ways. Lord, we want, to, we want to live out your calling to us. We want to live out your commands to us. So uh, thank you for the opportunity to do that. Uh, Lord, we, we want to honor you some, with some other things that we're doing here. So be honored in the rest of our gathering time. And as we go out and we seek to initiate loving actions toward others, Lord, be with us and lead us. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amir. Thank you. Thanks, man. Thank you.